0: Good morning, or afternoon, or evening, whatever is relevant for the part of the world you are in. Indeed, welcome to the event horizon where the impossible happens. Join us each week at this time as we delve into the worlds of science fiction, science fact, and fantasy in all their forms. I'm your host, Gene Turnbow. Our usual co-host, Susan Fox, has the evening off. I have some very special gentlemen with me this evening. They are filmmakers and distributors with a fascinating history. They are Jim Prince, David Bond, and Bill Shields. And the distribution company is... And uh, you will recognize many of the films that they're currently distributing. One of those is Graduation Day. Before I get too nuts here. April 20th. Right. At Dark Delicacies in Burbank is. Uh, Burbank, Burbank, Burbank. I'm, I'm signing the Blu-ray. I'm ray The Blu-ray version graduation of of graduation day, of graduation day. currently
1: in release. In Blu-ray. In Blu-ray. In Blu-ray
0: in Blu-ray. That's that seems like that seems like quite a
1: an update. <laughs> you know what? What happened was that films that were made in the '60s and '70s were made in 35mm. Mm-hmm. There are companies that are looking for the film that was successful in that 35 millimeter in the horror genre or exploitation genre. And they release these films in Blu-ray today, practically, in the last three years. Well, so they become a, a new audience hit all over again in Blu-ray. And the, the fantastic thing
0: about uh, going from 35 to Blu-ray is that it's Film, you don't have the the res problems of oh, we shot this in two K and now we want to go to Blu-ray. Yes, and and you can't. So, uh, but graduation day in particular is one of those films that that set the tone for horror movies in the nineteen eighties uh, and was a landmark film in its own right. Yes, very
2: much so. Very iconic in nature. And it seems that uh, every year where there's a release, there's a a great success on Blu-ray. So,
1: Well, I would say to you, the slasher films were in vogue in the 80s, where when I released Graduation Day, Friday the 13th Part 2 was the week before, and Happy Birthday to me was the week after. So we each had a week, and then we kind of, ponied up with other films to be able to play on (laughs) but it was highly successful
3: but let's not go back too much because look what's happening today last week us which is a terrific horror movie scary movie uh in my opinion, a family movie because they have a mother, a father, and two kids <laughs> that are trying to be slashed by uh, their corresponding double-ganger, doppelgangers
1: mm-hmm.
3: uh, was number one picture in the United States. And uh, so, you know, if things don't change in the business, science fiction and horror go forever. You know, go back to the silent screen until today. The newer generations want Excitement, want to uh, want uh, to see new scary types of movies. Um, you know, we, we're uh, we're also promoting a, a film that we just finished, a horrifying tales of the dead, which is a, a group of vign- horror vignettes, each one scarier than the other, so to speak. Now, having said that, you know, I was reading yesterday uh, Guillermo del Toro has got a movie coming out in the summer. Uh, which basically is the same type of thing, and uh, it's you know it's uh, it's called uh, tales to tell in the dark, scary tales to tell in the dark. So you know. So yeah, it's so either
0: he's traveling in good company or you are, depending on your point of view. Well, maybe we're in company, yeah, company with both. I'm. I'd like to think that you're sort of leading it out. I mean, Jordan Peele. Uh, He had to have been doing a paper route when you guys were doing your films to start with. So you've got a big head start on him. Uh, His film, though, his work on Us, was um, as much, you know, just right in the genre horror as it is uh, an artistic expression. I mean, he really
2: takes this to the next level. He did a very fine job uh, putting it together, and it, it makes films like ours stand out. Mm-hmm. It, gives, it gives a new meaning to the horror genre because of his success. And as Bill said, the young people are the ones that are interested in seeing this. We're trying to make, in, in fact, it is our goal, and we have several screenplays on the horizon for uh, to make these horror films that are conducive to younger people, the people that, uh, the people that, uh, you know, the audience should be somewhere in the neighborhood of 17 years and above. Mm -hmm. Because let's face it, quite a few of them may become our, we would like to make ours PG to appeal to a broader audience. And this is something that we know the kids want. Tell me more about the ensemble film. I mean, it's, it's, the vignettes, yeah, the vignettes, Horrifying tales, it, the horrifying tales from the dead. Uh, we have a very iconic producer that brought us nine vignettes. He, he's been, you know, he's been selling Amazon stuff like that. But these are vignettes; they're all broken apart. This guy had over a million hits on his short stories and everything, and we found him to be very profound writer. So we decided to make a full picture out of it because it deserved it. So we edited, we composed it, we actually produced it. We're, we're all executive producers on it, mm-hmm. uh, with his approval, of course, because we, we made this, and we think it'll be very high appeal. And it is our intention to take – he has got. He sent me 30, 40 stories that right now we're digesting and we're going to uh, – Infiltrate into another horror genre. We feel that vignettes are very important. We feel vignettes are very important because you have several different stories with several different concepts to catch everybody's imagination. Why do one thing when you can segue, you know, Twilight mm-hmm. Zone, sure. Outer Limits, how the success, those things need to be more prevalent.
0: In well, market. and. And uh, tales from the crypt, tales, oh, from, tales the from the dark side, right? Um,
2: and uh, other um, Elvira, hello, dear. Ab- absolutely. <laughs> so, she was going to come out to our signing, but she couldn't make it, unfortunately.
0: Oh, that's too bad. I really, I have met her only a few times, and uh, she has very nicely. She has been delightful every nice. every time I've met her.
2: So. I called her Cassandra. She says, "Call me Elvira, please." Anyway. Oh, that's nice. That's nice. <laughs> nice lady. nice lady.
0: Ah, so um, you uh, you were talking about how uh, vignettes work well in this genre. Um, do you have, do you find yourself leaning
2: towards short form horror? Well, we have several projects that are out there right now, that uh, we have several interested parties, not necessarily be all vignettes. Mm -hmm. We still have to make a full-length 90-minute horror film that will appeal to the younger crowd. We think we can make a film that will appeal not only to the younger crowd, but the older crowd. We're Mm -hmm. being diversified in nature. We know this is a diversified world we live in. And we try to give every, we try to give the people what they want. The Hispanic population Mm is very strong in the horror and so forth. We have several affiliations with producers and people we work with. Uh, You have have the Mm -hmm. African-American generation now that's become very prevalent. We would like to try to deliver to all aspects of people. We have, go ahead. I I was just going to say that uh,
0: appealing to all of those different demographics implies that you are sort of boiling away the various uh, differences in the subculture and finding the common threads that appeal to all of those groups.
3: The common thread is being scared. (laughs) <laughs> People like to be scared. I'm scared take, right now. Take for example, if you said to somebody, "Going to make a movie about a bad father-in-law," and they go, "Uh-huh, uh-huh," and then what was the villain in Get Out? A bad father-in-law who you know scared you to death, and then fortunately, you know, you the good guy wins at the end. So uh, you know that was that worked uh and you know Jordan Peele uh, the, you know I I being an academy member nominated it and it did get a nomination as best picture um so I was very proud of that fact and you saw as I said I mentioned us as follow up to it as mm-hmm. well so you know the new generation the diverse generation and they did a breakdown on get us and it was almost a third to third a third between uh, uh Latino uh, patrons, Caucasians, and African-Americans who saw that movie because they didn't care it was an African-American family. They went because they wanted to be scared, and it worked. So it uh, it just crosses all the lines, and, it's, and
0: the individual demographic, the compartmentalization sort of falls away. It
2: does, and it's important uh, to realize our world is changing dramatically for the better. As I see it, there's more people getting along. There's more people working together in every community. So, you know, in the past, there would be Hispanic folks who work mm-hmm. in their, their side of town, Caucasian here. Yeah, you wouldn't, you wouldn't think that's that gone. looking that's at
0: gone. you wouldn't think that looking
2: at the uh, looking at the modern news news media. Not today anymore, and it makes the most sense to us, mm-hmm. and, and that's that's our goal. Our goal is to include all and try to... We'll make everybody happy. Mm-hmm. Don't worry about it. It'll be fine. <laughs> so you, you just... You go for the uh,
0: the the good old-fashioned foundations of horror, the stuff that
2: works reliably. We uh, would like to also be innovative. Uh-huh. It's not necessary. You know, sometimes you don't need absolute horror. If you have a good screenplay, and mm-hmm. you can be innovative, like Get Out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can see a monster. Yeah, you don't need to be like a that. Klaus Verhoeven and... Like right, right, exactly.
0: Dandling the eyeballs at the camera and going...
2: No, no. Going, ah! have eyes. You don't yeah. need to really go there uh-huh. if you have a good screenplay, because how many people walk down the hall and open a creaky door, and it scares the blank out of you? Oh, That's, yeah. And, and more of that can happen, mm-hmm. maybe several scenes before somebody really jumps out of their closet, but you know, with a good screenplay, you can do that, and you can include all genres and make it fair for make it fair. That's so, that's our goal.
0: So, do you rely? Does the new film with the vignettes? Does it? Uh, do they tend to rely more on good writing and suspense suspenseful uh, visual storytelling than?
2: Well, they're they're different in each approach.
1: Uh uh-huh.
2: they're diversified. everyone's diversified once about a doll, once about an old couple, once about a, a ghost girl dra- walking down the highway where the guy picks her up to take her home. <clears throat> yeah, I'll give you a great example. He felt sorry for her, and she's wandering the highway and you know she looks a little unusual. so he gives her a ride home, brings her to the house, she disappears. he walks to the house, knocks on the door. I have your daughter here. And of course, the lady says, "My daughter." Says, "Yeah, she's right outside." And she looks outside. Nobody's there. And she says to the guy, "Well, my daughter's been dead for five years." And it's Ooh. that kind of it's that kind of uh-huh. a, uh, approach we've taken. And they're all diversified. Every one of the vignettes is different. Yeah, so you it's begin. A, it's a zombie. It's uh-huh. a vampire. It's a
1: you know flesh eater. It's a and every all nine of them have a, a different.
2: A different a crazy silver blood. Uh-huh. You know, there the, is the, the carry thing. There's a little there's a little yeah. stuff to that, yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. We have to give it a little edge.
3: As we said, diversified zombies, vampires, <laughs> ghosts, you know, the whole uh, universe.
2: And then yeah. the three of us. You treat all, no, all monsters kidding. Kidding. equally,
0: no. Yes, exactly. That's right. no, no favoritism. No, no favoritism. <laughs> so the uh, you guys have uh, a long history of successes distributing and producing films like this.
3: Distributing, marketing, uh, involved in production, absolutely. And uh, most of us like, really like, good good, uh, scary stories. You know, uh, I always, I always uh, you know, hate to use the word horror because, you know, that means different things to different people, but certainly scary in uh, mm-hmm. the audience to be scared. And uh, while we also respect, uh, you know, science fiction and all forms of, you know, of uh, movies, uh, it is fun to be scared.
0: I've noticed that, for example, uh, it, going back to what you said, you know, th- that when you use the word horror, it, it sets up an, uh, an idea in, in, in the brain of the person that you're talking to, and it means something different to everybody. Everybody. And I noticed that Jordan Peele does not use that word in the marketing for
2: his films. Yes. Even though that's what he's doing. Well, that's right? Bill's point. Yes. And he makes a very good one. And, and not only that, when you, you know, we would like to integrate aliens into horror, but not horror. Mm-hmm. There's, a, there's a big call for creatures, perhaps new creatures. In uh, the, the horror genre, mm-hmm. but we may call it something else. Horror is a very strong world, but yet, let's face it, everybody that's into that genre, and there's billions of people, I would imagine, because <laughs> everything I, I mean, there's so many, that's that's what they look for. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't mean we can't create, we have space movie. You have a space screenplay that we're doing with a touch of horror. We would like to, you know, diversify the things that we produce. I
3: read just recently, speaking of aliens, uh, A Quiet Place is casting right now. So number two, Quiet Place 2, did uh only 183 million domestic last year, which means there'll be more space aliens that are going to be hired for the new movie. (laughs) That's great. Spreading the
2: employment around. Yeah.
3: Uh, equal opportunity employment.
0: Absolutely, We're gonna,
2: <laughs> we, we've decided to make another one called a noisier place. <laughs> Actually, that that I'm thinking of doing that. Um, <laughs> I, don't know, I don't know how much trouble I can get into.
0: Uh, maybe a fair amount. I mean, you know, I mean,
1: <laughs>
0: which is a good thing. But it's okay. We'll hire the same actors, <laughs> <laughs> Which is a good thing. You know, it's like, like, uh, uh, in, instead of the silence being the scary thing, you know, they noise. Uh, noise is, noise is everywhere, but a certain one kills or something like that. Or, or, or when the, the. The change in the a change in the noise changes the harmonics of the world, and suddenly the beasties find their way into this dimension. Yeah, Things like that. If your ears
2: bleed, you get wrinkles. You know, you were, <laughs> you were wondering if a quiet place would actually work the way they did it. it did. well it and did one hundred eighty three one hundred
0: eighty three million and that's domestic. the shoot yeah, and that's, that's just all domestic all and domestic that's, theatrical. Yeah, wow. Yes. And uh, uh, it had to have cost, what, a,
3: a third of that to shoot? No, no, cost a lot less than that. cost a lot less than that. They're, they're embarrassed how little it cost. I mean, they, they had real care. John Krasinski, the director, did a fabulous job. But uh, but they, you know, they made it at a, a price, and they want to keep that. Uh, Very secret.
2: little sound,
3: by the way. Yeah. yeah.
2: They spend <laughs> Which money is. Money on it's like okay.
1: three locations. That's a lot
0: of money. It's like three locations. Yeah. No, it's, it's just beautifully beautifully done.
2: It's, right. it's uh, Things can be done and made well, and you don't have to spend $20 million.
0: Well, and a lot of that comes down to story. Uh, my wife is fond of – my wife, Susan Fox, who isn't with us this evening, she's fond of saying, you know, a good script costs the same as a bad script, so you might as well buy a good one.
1: Yes.
3: <laughs> yeah. That's that's the easy part. Finding the good one is the tough part, right? Oh,
0: yes. It's it's like like everybody's a screenwriter, but nobody's really a screenwriter. <laughs> and the trouble is that uh, you have to grind your way through the slush pile of 99 people who think they can write but can't to find the one who can maybe get a few scenes to work.
2: We've been. Uh, we very for sure. fortunate that uh, uh, through several of our affiliations, we, we found some excellent screenplays. And our partner Bill has been helping in development of those screenplays. He's and, you know, he's, he's he's well educated on on the screenplays. He knows just what to put in where. And David and I have been writing for several years. We decided to get back together again. And start writing. So we've written a few things. We've got some other projects that we have finished, but it's a, all it all it takes is time. But I assure you, these these things will be looked over and looked over, and they'll come out good. And uh, right now we have four that are ready are developed, ready to roll. So we're we're approaching financing. We've got an the easy there. part. Yeah. yeah, the easy part is to get the money. Never a problem. <laughs> <laughs> all, all, we have to tell is, all we have to tell them is first in, first out. works every time. No, no. Just kidding. <laughs> well, the benefit, the benefit
3: of scary movies is you don't have to spend a zillion dollars no. to do it. Because if it's done well, it's done right. It's directed well. It's edited well. Good music. You know, the scare is there. People are entertained. They feel fulfilled. And it works. I mean, you know, I my, my favorite is the movie Get Out. That's another one. I only did $177 million domestically, got Academy Award nomination. And here again, they were embarrassed to say how little it cost to make. Uh, they claimed four million, but I believe it was less than that. Holy cow! I know, I know. Oh my but, god! Well, the original Halloween at the time in those yeah. days like uh, cost a uh, little over eight hundred thousand. And
0: by the uh, way,
1: graduation day was three hundred
2: thousand. Wow! And that film has had the car- decades. Made cast a it's it's made a lot of money. iconic for years. The guy who made Halloween, uh, was the guy who hired me in this business. I'll get him back for that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, my
0: first gig was for uh, working for Roger Corman in 1979. Oh, I, too. I, we all yeah, know uh,
3: Roger uh, very well. I worked for Roger in 1970,
0: 1973. Yeah, so six years before I got there. Anyway, we set up. Set up because we did it right. He knew what to do. Yeah, he did well. Sure it's did. I've got a few stories. <laughs> I'm
3: sure you do. The Roger stories will go on forever. I mean,
0: oh, uh, just I just worked on I worked on one film there, and uh, the stories from that one film. I mean, uh, it's James Cameron. I think was art assistant art director on uh, uh, Galaxy of Terrors, which I think had six different
2: distribution titles. Depending <laughs> on where it was going, uh, uh, which, which, which was Orange County or San Bernardino.
0: No, uh, well, just no, like <laughs> uh, California, uh, California local distribution. It had one name, and then you know it went to the uh, the drive-in circuit in the South. You know okay. where where you just you make anything and they'll buy it.
1: Sure,
0: or that's the way it used to be. Used to be, used to be. Yeah, all the drive-ins are gone now. But how? That was leading me to my next question: How much has the distribution business changed since? Oh, not at all. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. no. But I want to know. It's always been. It it started out. You know, you had physical prints.
2: You had a bicycle. Right. The prints, basically, thirty-five millimeter. We had a bicycle when there were enough prints. We had there was there was a lot of grief involved in all that. Sometimes they wouldn't get there on time and. You have the manager doing a soft shoot of the audience. It'll be your
0: or they would lose a print. Oh my goodness!
2: Okay. Yeah, a many, a print. Oh, many times. Uh,
0: Sister Act, Nightmares. Sister Act two, as recently oh. as 1990, Sister Act two was being distributed by Technicolor, uh, and they were uh, they were doing their own distribution at the time. Uh, they got out of that business very quickly, and the yeah. reason they got out of it the was prince. because. They, I think, 27 theaters went dark yeah. because they lost an entire truck full of prints of Sixth wow. track Two intended me. for intended for New York, and the whole, and oh. that was that was their death. Now they're just. And, they, and this is technical. This was technical. It's just saying, were they making? Yeah. Yeah. Well. They were, they were making the prints and then trying to be uh, print distributors as well. And that just did not. Sometimes it's okay. Because I worked for them at the time, which is how I knew about this disaster.
1: He said, I was at MGM and 20th Century Fox hired me because they didn't have enough prints for Planet of the Apes. so I had to tag three theaters with one print. Wow! Real me,
2: by real, running around.
1: So that happened
2: again. <laughs> let, let me tell you, being an executive and distribution stuff. So what? If we got out there ourselves, if you had a problem, we had to make. We wanted those films on the screen. We had to run out there and drive you. And drive yeah, you. and
0: you couldn't delegate so, it because by yeah. the time it would take you to. Well, explain to somebody what the problem was. You you could be out there yourself with the print.
2: You would. You could delegate it, but that doesn't always work You You know, it's important more to us, right? Because being so mm -hmm. deeply involved that we want to make sure that those and they don't
0: necessarily they don't necessarily understand all the nuances of what happens if they screw up some tiny detail. You know, because if they did understand it, they'd have your job.
3: Right. (laughs) But the other side, no. the other side is today. It's you know all digital. You're talking about digital copies. I'm and from time to time things get lost, things get delayed, and that's a mess. But not less so and less physical. But the marketing and distribution uh, is basically the same. You want to get people out there, you want to get your target audience, the young people and people that like scary movies, that first weekend. Because Mm -hmm. if they don't go that first weekend, you know, the multiplexes are going to, uh, they won't necessarily always dump you right away, but you'll be playing like one, one afternoon screening for the second week. Yeah, so you got talk
2: on that. Wednesday depends, yeah you got to
3: nice. spend that money on uh, on the television they keep saying well the internet the internet the internet's fine you still have to spend money on television that's what motivates people to go see it and of course obviously good word of mouth and 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 shows you mm-hmm. know shows like this shows that specialize in uh, you know in, in scary stuff and uh, you know imaginatives imaginative materials so that's why you know you want to be out there. You want to spend the tens of millions of dollars it takes to open a movie theatrically in the United States. So are our, uh, our prints distributed to the
0: theaters as just digital transmissions that each theater downloads to their main
2: drives? They have more. A lot of theaters have upgraded equipment that use specialized formats. Whatever. Yeah, you know better about that. that? Some still can play in high def Blu Ray, not a problem. You know, we we uh, we we played a few films in high def Blu Ray. You don't need it. Others require more. I know that we were going to do a test market in the South on a film that we were taking on, and we. This was a great idea, because you don't you have to spend X amount of dollars, and you don't do it world, you know, nationwide. It cut down on the expense. That would give us a great idea of what the film could do. Hmm. But then the theaters demanded $800 to have special delivery from... I think it was technical. Well, album, here's, it? here's the situation. They rent the equipment. They don't own it. Right. The they rent it. Some owned it, but oh. most rent it. The
1: equipment company charges you that fee. That transmission fee. And then you have to pay heavy, heavy TV advertising. So uh-huh. what's made the dis- the independent distributors go away, essentially, is high costs. Yeah.
3: But a lot Some, of it is download, as you say.
1: Yeah, but you're right. Download.
0: That's interesting. Yeah. Uh, there, uh, uh, when I was working at Rhythm and Hughes, when we would deliver our uh, elements to the uh, production companies, they would go out on physical hard drives. Like somebody from the production company would come and Oh and yeah! Pick up a basket full. Of, same, of same.
2: Removable drives. Yeah. Still do that now? Absolutely. And when we uh, we have a film distributed that we gave to a distributor of ours, they have to upload it and they have to make sure all these other qualifications. Amazon, Netflix, and etcetera, et cetera, et cetera. It gets it, it. It's insane. It gets way too particular, and. Um, but that's, that's the, the digital piece standards. today. Yeah, the digital Listen, standards are. Uh, that's right. And they're getting. You have worse. to match the hardware. The closed caption now has become one of the big deals. Because if we didn't have to use to worry about that. Now the federal government stepped in, and theaters that are playing closed caption, they, they demand that they have that. Each theater has to have that. Also, they really? have to, yes. They have to have for the hearing impaired, too. That's in the theaters.
1: Well, and
0: how do you display closed caption to the people who are hearing impaired without putting up captions on everybody else's screen? How does that work?
2: That's their problem.
1: They have a division. I'm not technical. Division, division with copies that. of that, like for closed caption. I, you're right. It's. Technical. I mean, I, I,
0: can you mix can you mix closed caption viewers with non closed caption in the same theater? No, gener- no,
3: generally no, generally not. But you can on uh, you can on uh, streaming and on video. Right, and I knew just that. Just because someone is that. you know hearing impaired doesn't mean we shouldn't scare them to death. Right. So we want to hear again full circle.
1: But you're right.
2: Theatrical would be a little, a little different. And that's that's a mandate for theaters then. So. You said you have
0: four or five projects currently in the pipeline. Yeah. Can you? Are you at a point where you can tell me anything about them yet, or? That's a killer. You I, uh, <laughs> Okay. So it's I, I understand about that. It's it's um there are uh there's only so much you can talk about because right. it it could change
2: tomorrow. It could change. There's also issues of non-disclosure, and mm-hmm. um, it, it's something. I can tell you this much, uh, we've gravitated into television as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, we felt that uh, there's a great market over there that's been overlooked, and with our expertise and our knowledge of the entertainment industry, uh, we've been, uh, I, I, there's things that we have gravitated into that. And we're in the process of uh, having a very important meeting and working on something uh, that's very viable. And we have several people behind it that are interested in. That remains to be seen. I don't want to say any more about mm-hmm. that. We have some excellent uh, horror films. Uh, Bill's got a couple of writers that did terrific job.
3: Go ahead. Andy. No, I, I was going to say, no, I manage a couple of writers, and they're very, very good. I assist some others. but And we don't want to get into any specifics, but basically they all share... The fact that you have on uh, two on two of them, you have uh, very young people. One is a uh, a uh, female, uh, and she winds up being the heroine. Uh, a second, you know, and it involves modern day technology. The other one is a uh, a, a, gu- a young guy who uh, unfortunately went over the edge on gaming and uh, he needs to take a step backward and the third one is a very <laughs> very tough very um competent uh female detective who unfortunately winds up uh, chasing a uh, um, a dark shadow so we speak uh, so we say um basically creature who is killing people in in los angeles to be close to uh close to home here. So, you know, and all of those involve relatively, you know, young people in various problems, but in the modern technology of today.
0: I've noticed that uh, two of those stories feature strong female central characters. Absolutely. That is, that is a change from the 1980s, uh, where the if you had a female character, You know, we have the term Scream Queen for a reason.
2: We've got a good one, too.
3: Oh, yeah? Oh, yeah. No, absolutely, because, you know, almost every movie, a female was the victim, right? Yes. Yes. And usually the male had to save her. And audiences have come past that and are 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 past that right now. I mean, you look at the latest Captain Marvel. Oh, yes. She happened to be a woman, right? Uh, You know, the only exception was in Halloween, the original Halloween, and then all all the successors, you know, the Jamie Lee Curtis character, basically, while being scared to death, you know, was able to uh, turn the tables on Michael Myers, although not – too much because he came back for about nine sequels. Something like that.
0: I think there's, I I remember looking this up once, and I think there's like yeah, at least nine.
3: Yeah, I think the last one was nine, and it's interesting the last Halloween, which was a year ago, has the all-time record of opening weekend of any horror movie in history.
1: Wow, that's interesting. I think it was
3: 126 million dollars opening for Halloween, which goes back to the 1970s. Wow, and,
0: yeah. and is that sc- scaling up for inflation?
3: Well, yeah. I mean, you know, scale up for stopped. inflation, but I mean, you know, that's a, that's a big number. To it is still watch. a big it's
0: still number. Still it's big. yeah, it's still very good. Uh, it's I. Personally, find uh, uh, the dynamic of putting a female in the lead role, and you know, it's somebody who actually starts, who has the potential of starting out from a weaker place than a male. You know, mm-hmm. in the same position, and when she overcomes, it's all that much greater a victory. Well, you
2: see, you if it's, if you have a female. in you know, bit of a subservient position to begin with and she involves a strong character that makes for a very good story it doesn't she doesn't have to be strong to begin with she can develop into that that makes it an even more interesting i think an exciting uh, thing to do we're trying to be a little bit outside of the box and Mm -hmm. not to be cookie cutter there's so much of that you know good guys, shoot him up, they win, kiss goodbye. It's it's not like that anymore. The world is different. Yeah, now it's... And you can take, you can take a Freddy Krueger and uh, then you can take a woman who does him in no matter how nasty he is. But you can turn the tables on people nowadays and we like to do things with a bit of twists and turns. We don't want to bring out the obvious. We want people to be scared we want them to enjoy and then we want to include diversity so the
0: uh i think the next let's see the next thing i want to mention is that you guys are all going to be at dark delicacies in burbank april 20th and 4 p.m 4 p.m on a saturday And that's in Burbank, California. This is uh, on Magnolia. On Magnolia, and this is the historic um, uh, horror bookstore, Dark Delicacies, that recently won a. uh, They got a GoFundMe campaign, and they got it um, because I think it was. Was it Guillermo del Toro? Guillermo yes, del Toro reached out ca- reached out and yes. came to their rescue. Yes, he did. And
2: helped them save this iconic store. Correct. And he, he was, you know, close to that place because this is a historic place. This is a you know, it's a it's an iconic place. And the fact that they even had to move from the location, but they're staying, they're moving over, and he reached out to his many, many followers and it worked out for them. They're able to work. They'll be, this is probably, I think this is going to be their last venue. is us. I think we're the at, last at, yeah, that,
3: at that location. At that location. Yeah. They're moving relatively close by, but, but it's interesting, you know, the store that specializes in books and videos that are devoted to scaring people, special effects, science mm-hmm. fiction, horror, all of that. So they have a lot of, a lot of fans.
1: A lot of artifacts as well,
0: to buy. So you guys must all know, must have known, Forey Ackerman.
3: Did you ever meet him? No, uh, I haven't. I I know. I think you had a conversation at one point, but uh, But he. I mean, it's great we'll that you so have many. somebody, somebody like that, uh, who you know, because this is a this is a big world. I mean, people enjoy being scared. You know, whether it's, uh, you know, the cuddly little, uh, don't forget, Chucky, which is now going to be a TV show. Chucky is TV back. Show. Yes, they're going to make a TV show, okay. Chucky. What's the matter? You got something against <laughs> nice little doll? I mean,
0: yeah, I'm just, you know, I just remember when my son and John was foreign, no
2: play the four
0: and I d- used to take exactly him to Chucky like Cheeses. And it sort of puts a whole new yeah, power on that whole experience, you know.
2: You might have been a
3: better father. My 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 kids in their in their bathroom. My two kids in their bathroom had a Chucky doll, an alien doll,
1: <laughs> and, a, and
3: a Freddy Krueger doll. Because they grew up with those pictures, with those uh, characters, and you know they they wound up fine. One
1: of them that, that explains
0: You know why Ridley Scott won't go to Baskin Robbins? Doesn't like ice cream. Because in space, no one can hear He's ice cream.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh,
3: my God. oh absolutely.
0: Oh uh, yeah. Oh boy. And with that, um let's see. I would like to thank you all uh for uh for coming to be on this episode of the Event Horizon here on Krypton Radio, Jim Prince, David Bond, and Bill Shields of um And hopefully we and entertainment. Cyclone Ent- Entertainment LLC.com. If you want to go look them up on the website and find out what they're up to and all of the interesting films that they have distributed, uh, one of the ones that's noteworthy actually was the last. Let's see, it was the last Vampire in Burbank? Polish Vampire. A Polish Vampire in Burbank. May I say something? Yes.
2: That? Yes, please. Our producer from those. Is, is a friend of ours, and we're affiliated with uh, the East shows that we were Crown International Pictures. He's... What? Oh, he's got... he's um, He'll be there, and he'll be signing for his films, which are... He's got an amazing cult following. And, I mean, look at the imagination. Polish vampire from Irvine. Is, is it Mark Pirro? Mark is, Pirro. That's him. From...
0: Paramount Pictures, right? Now I remember the film when it came out because The Last Tango in Paris had come out, <laughs> and then this was a spin. <laughs> I don't remember, uh, but I but I remember that this film came out. Yes, and uh, it was making uh, it was making a lot of news in uh, the uh, the horror fan the horror film fan press. Because it had been done on such a low budget.
2: Oh, exactly. I don't know why I mentioned it. So yeah. We're not yeah. Talking it's,
0: about that. No, 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 no. And, and the reason it was making so much noise in, in uh, the fan media was that it inspired others to try to make their own films. Because if he could do it on a budget like that and get a feature out of it, then by God, so could we. No. And a lot of careers started because of that inspiration.
2: He is something special. Mis- Misley Tell. And not only that, he he has his own studio at home where we will go and do editing and so forth. He's uh, very, very intelligent, very smart about what he does. And uh, I'll tell you, my hat's off to him. And he's affiliated with us. He, he helps us edit, things like that. We work well together. So he'll be out there signing DVDs for all his films. I I'm not going to mention all the names. There's quite a few. But right. I'm sure, we're running
0: out of time. Here. <laughs> Dark Delicacies, April twentieth, four p.m. on Magnolia Boulevard in Burbank. Right. Jim Prince, David Bond, and Bill
2: Shields. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you so much, Jim. Thank, thank you. you.
0: You have been listening to episode 208 of Krypton Radio's weekly production of The Event Horizon for April 13th, 2019. Our guests today have been Jim Price, David Bond, and William Shields of Cyclone Entertainment. They will be at Dark Delicacies in Burbank, California on April 20th with the Blu-ray of the iconic horror classic 1981's Graduation Day that spawned so many sequels. They will be signing copies of that. This episode will air again on April 14th at 4 p.m. Pacific, 7 p.m. Eastern, tomorrow afternoon, that's Sunday, and two more times on the following Thursday and Saturday mornings at 4 a.m. Pacific, 7 a.m. Eastern. Once all the airtimes have passed, you will find this episode and others on iTunes, Stitcher, and on our own website at kryptonradio.com as podcasts. Krypton Radio is listener-supported geek culture radio, and the vast majority of our funding comes from listeners just like you. We are asking you to visit patreon.com slash kryptonradio and pledge $5 a month to help keep the station on the air. Give the gift Of geek music to your friends by helping support the world's only full-time sci-fi geek culture radio station. That's patreon.com/slash Krypton Radio. The Event Horizon title sequence was written and produced by Gene Turnbow. The science officer was played by Sci-Fi Illustrator Mark Schirmeister. The engineer was Christian B. McGuire. The navigator was Christine Cherry. And the captain was voiced by science fiction grandmaster Larry Niven. This program is copyright 2019 by Krypton Media Group Incorporated. The Event Horizon on Krypton Radio. It's sci-fi for your Wi-Fi.